Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. So welcome to the coaching podcast. My name is Pete Catterall. I'm the British Canoeing's coach developer working with the talent team coaches. Uh, and today we're really lucky to have Dan Goddard with us. Um, we've managed to grab him off the water in between sessions to come and have a chat. So uh, I'll just get Dan to introduce himself and then we'll get stuck into the main podcast. So go on, Dan, tell us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've come from, and what you're doing now. Hi, I'm Dan Goddard. I'm a British Canoe and Talent Coach. I uh, also work for Canoe Wales as a performance coach, a little bit of work behind Pitpoint Canoe Club, and just recently um, part of the ICF uh, course designer team, designing courses for World Championships and World Cups. Wow. And what about your own, your own paddling background? Tell us a bit about that, because I think that's going to lead quite nicely into why you've yeah, got to where you've got. So I was on the um, British senior team for around 10 years from 2001 to 2012, um, both C1 and C2. Um, and before that, I'd, as a junior, I also did quite a lot of river running and um, sort of slalom as well. Yeah, so you've been around the scene quite a long time, haven't you? So I guess, yeah, uh, yeah so we're going to talk around um, gate setting for canoe slalom uh, and how what Dan's process is for, for how he chooses to set courses, whether it's training or for competition, and what, what is the thinking behind that? So um, I think that's a really important part of, well, it's probably the most important part of slalom is having the right sequence. So, so Dan, could you just talk us through the the process you go through, whether it's in the morning or in an afternoon, before you set a course, mm. what what are the things you're starting to think about before you even get involved with moving poles? I just take it back one one step before that, and I think actually thinking about canoe slalom, I think there's a couple of really key points. One is having boat and equipment. Two is having um, water. And three is having gates. Yeah, and for canoe slalom, if you don't have one of those, then you're going to be yeah. struggling. Yeah. Um, so setting gates, I think, is then really important to that that process. And then I really think that the the, the course should be set to meet the needs of the individual in okay. that in yeah. that session or or the group that's in that in that session. And I guess then breaking that down again, um, I think two reasons for setting gates. One to aid development, that might be technical development, physical development, um, whichever that development is, or to specifically prepare for a race. So there might be key moves at Nottingham, key moves at um, Lee Valley, uh, even key moves at Stone. Right, yeah. That you want to learn how to do and prepare for to be able to bring out in a race as well. Okay, so you're trying to, you're in some places, you're replicating either things maybe your athletes have struggled with in the past or things that you know that they're going to be facing in the future, whether it's next weekend's selection race or, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, so for example, um, we went out last year with the, the Welsh um, performance setup to some of the ECA Junior Cups. And one of the places we went to was Solcam um, yeah. in Slovenia. Yeah. And that's very much known for rocks in the middle of the, uh, middle of the river with good S's behind. Right. So we set up in preparation for that a load of S's at Trero 
behind rocks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that when we actually got to Solcan, we were already prepared for potential moves that might come up from training yeah. in a different location. So really manipulating the, your training environment to help you with the competition environment later. Yeah, that, for sure. For sure. That makes lots of sense to me. Okay, so what about so if you've got you've got one athlete for one session, mm. how does how does that fit together? Do you go down there and set the course and then give that to the athlete? Are they part of the process? How does how does that work? Well I think first of all you've got to, you know, as we're saying, the gate should um, meet the needs of the individual. Therefore we really need to know what their their goals are for that session. Um, or their goals are for let's say you know, technique development. Yeah. If they're looking at spins, we need some sessions on spins. Yeah. And we need to create an environment where they can learn to spin. Yeah. Um, we've also lots of different types of spin, lots of variety. And I think that's sometimes a common uh, a common thing where people learn to do a move um, that's very specific to that river or that feature yeah. rather than learning about spins as a whole process. Okay, um, yeah. They almost learn, right, I want to come off that, the stopper at Lee Valley and I spin a bob yeah. at the next gate rather than um, learning all about spins and what spin do I want yeah. in different situations. So they're learning how you're saying they're learning how to spin, not how to spin at Lee Valley. Exactly. That's what exactly. I think you can get yeah. that a lot of times, um, for example, spins in spins in eddies. Yeah. Um, people come in, uh, the tail goes down and they realise they then spin above the gate. Yeah. Like, well that means a different thought process and a different technique to yeah. a spin off a wave, for example. Yeah. So that sounds like the two processes you've gone through there is firstly and I'm not surprised by this, this keeps coming up in every chat we have with people, that knowing your athletes, the coaching oh. athlete, knowing each other exceptionally well, uh, having that good relationship so you know what, they, what their goals are, both you know, short-term, medium-term, long-term, you know what their, what their technical needs are, their physical needs, their psychological needs, what it is they need to be working on. Yeah. Is, a, is a joint venture between you and the athletes, would yes. you say? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, and then on top of that, I'd say... The thing that jumps out when chatting to you is about your level of technical understanding, the experience that you've seen. I don't know how many courses you think you've probably paddled and or set now. It's probably a horrific <laughs> number. But but what that gives you is that big understanding of what all the different combinations, of, if we take a spin, for instance, that, that there isn't one type of spin. There's lots of different types yeah. of spin that are done in different lots of different types of places. So how, how would you... Has that been a conscious thing for you, do you think, that you've you've gone, I'm going to learn about this type of spin or this type of up or this type of stagger? Has that been a conscious thing or is that just from when you were an athlete? Yeah, I think I was fortunate in the sense to be, be an athlete and be um, in a high-performing environment for such a, a long period of my life in that, yeah. in that field. So a lot, of, a lot of knowledge was gained uh, from there. But then... Recently, again, looking at coaching, and again, how are those, how is the setting of those gates going to challenge that individual, yeah, um, to produce the kind of the outcome that you as a coach and there is a yeah. uh, a path that one sometimes that goes right, sometimes that goes wrong, and even but even if it hasn't challenged them in the way that you have wanted to, maybe you wanted to create a spin and it was was forward, they're yeah. still learning that. 
Yeah. So you yeah. haven't lost. Yeah. So they're still, I guess they're still making that decision as well. You talk about that a lot. Yeah. We had a quick chat yesterday that you're trying to really push decision making as part of yeah. your job as a coach. Do you want yeah. to sort of expand on that really? That would be quite Yeah, I think that comes in a, in a couple of ways. One, setting gates to provide a challenge and to give them give the paddle the options to try lots of different yeah. techniques and different stuff. Um, but also get them, if I, if I can, involved in that core setting um, environment so they are then setting gates around their own needs as well. Yeah. So uh, that comes back to um, a thing that a lot of us do is, is project-based sessions. Yeah. So they have their project. Um, that could be sweep upstreams. Yeah. So then they have to then decide right which upstreams are going to be best for me to you know, to sweep upstream on. Oh, brilliant! So they're really starting to understand not just what an upstream looks like, but what how to position a gate to be able to do it as a sweep up. Yeah, because again, if you're coming back to a race and you're Jim and you're on the bank and you're looking yeah. at a sequence of gates, you want to know, you know what is good for each one of those yeah. sequences of gates. Don't yeah. you? you want to look at that eddy and go, mm, yeah, that's definitely on for a sweep. Yeah. And that's the right style of um, eddy for yeah. the for a sweep or that's I've done a sweep before there and I know that's good. Yeah. Um, and then that gives you gives you confidence leading into a race as well. That you know um, you know your own capabilities yeah. because you've actually been part of that process of Yeah, design. sure. So that's almost helping your athletes get in the getting the mindset of the course setter itself, whoever, you know, that's really, they're not just turning up and, and being surprised by everything. They're, they're, they're now part of that. They're part they, of that they've journey. set courses, yeah. they've done that. They can get get their head into it. Under, that's real, that's getting into deep level understanding the rules of the game really, isn't it? That they're starting to think like that. So Dan, that was great talking about one athlete, but what about if you've got a mixed group of athletes uh, maybe slightly different in ability, but also you know you might have a couple of K ones, couple of C ones. How does that, how does that change your your course setup and your thinking behind that? Again, um, it comes back to trying to meet those individual individual needs. And again, every athlete doesn't need to be doing that same course. They yeah. can be doing variations of of that course, um, or completely different courses. Yeah. Um, one could be just focusing on ups, one could be doing features, but yeah. they're just in the same section under the same coach. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess with that, the more gates you have out in the river, uh, the more yeah. options you've got to choose from, and the, uh, the more diverse your core setting can be. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's a really interesting point. So, you know, I see you guys working a lot here and a lot down at Lee Valley and Lee Valley, if people listening haven't been there, you can move pretty much a gate to almost anywhere. Would that be pretty fair? much? Yeah, there's there's lines down the river, so you can move gates up and down yeah. the river as well as uh, across. Across, and you can actually move the eddies as well. So the whole thing can be <laughs> everything's movable down there. So variety is is the spice of mm. practice down there for sure. And then Nottingham's like sort of one step back from that, I guess. You can move some stuff, but yeah, it is. I think we're also quite. Um, so you can move posts, yeah, um, yeah, which takes a while, but it is done. Doable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and again, don't let that be a barrier to putting more gates up or 
yeah. iron gates off bridges and yeah. um, I, I understand that in in kind of a club setup at different venues obviously gates are limited yeah but how can we um, create more learning opportunities for our learner that takes me back to a, a podcast from Julian Bilau I was listening to with Makada Funk right uh, and her dad literally had what she described as a basically a fishing rod with a pole on the end of it wow. to create <laughs> one pole in a in a river that you know she had no gates in, and that yeah. was her one pole. But wow. that one pole was better for her than no poles. Yeah, and that one pole, was, if it's on a fishing rod, I'm trying to envision. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I think it must <laughs> it have been like a, a strong you know, guy, a, 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 but, you know, a big yeah. pole, and then you hold yeah. that out from the river. Yeah, but again. It was creating solutions yeah. um, to to get gates. And massively varied as well. You could put that yes. anywhere, yeah. which is great. Yeah, and some, you know, I've been around quite a few of the clubs recently and some have got more gates than others. Um, some haven't got any gates, so they could do something quite imaginative like that. But, yeah. um, and I remember where I grew up uh, down in Kent, we had, we had four gates, but we had to put them all up before we went out, including yes. the lines. Yeah. Um, are there any sort of top tips you'd give, like as a almost as a setup? If I had four or five gates, it would just give me the most variety that I could possibly have. Is there any, any have you got any tips around that? Are you, you're in a luxury position and not having to worry about that. So We are, yeah. Um, I don't think it really matters. I think as long as there's there's gates out there, yeah. you can create quite, you can create a lot of learning, uh, learning environments. One thing we did do in the, on the Winfield pool just recently, um, is put number boards up on the flat water gates. Yeah. And there's num uh, all the gates at Augsburg, let's say, are, are numbered. But that's, and, and various other sites as well, but that's made um, community safety in the course yeah. so much easier to the athletes that are there. You know, down gate one, down gate six, down gate eight, yeah, right. rather than down the yellow, yeah. down the other yellow, down the other yellow and there's yeah. 20 yellows there's 20 yellows them. yeah okay so that's just really simplifying that communication yeah just across. something simple yeah. that is you know that works really yeah. well is, is numbering numbering yeah. gates or having each gate individually recognised down the, the the swirly green yeah. down the the one with the yellow stripes down the bubble gate yeah, yeah. whatever okay so that that's great Dan that, that's I find that really interesting that you, like your your thought process you know because as an observer, sometimes it just, you know, group turn up and they get on and there's gates there and they go and do the gates. But actually, there's a whole load of stuff that's happened in the background. Yeah. You've thought about it, you know, the gate sequence you've set in your session this morning mm. leads on to the gate sessions you've set this afternoon. And, and is that, how do you, how does that, how quickly does that move? Or do you go, will this afternoon session with those athletes be the same gates or do you? Uh, I'll on? pretty much move gates every, every session. Right. Um, Unless there is something that we again we want to revisit, yeah, um, and then that move will, will will stay in. But pretty much gates move move every session, and I think that's one of the the big bits again is having those gates constantly moving, so you've got a variety of moves to yeah. to try, uh, and a variety of moves to learn from, um, and I think the act of just moving gates makes you actually think about what you actually want out of the session. Yeah. Rather than paddling down, uh, as an athlete, paddling down, looking down, uh, what gates are set in this first section? Uh, I could do those. 
oh, there aren't any gates in this second session, there aren't a paddle through that section. Yeah. Actually yeah. getting out and going, right, I'm looking at spins. Yeah. I want to set some spins. Yeah. Um, or even if you don't have the possibility of moving gates, actually just the fact of getting out and actually having a look where gates are, going, right, that one's a spin. Or I could just practice that one as a spin. It might not be in the perfect spin position. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, though, because you're still learning. Yeah. Yeah, um, pushing the boundaries of where a yeah, spin you're is still possible. Learning about yeah. Spins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a couple of goes forwards, goes as a spin. Yeah. Um, learning what's quicker. Potentially get uh, an adult on the bank to time the difference between those two yeah, options. Yeah. yeah. Again, learning from using resources outside of, yeah. of, of just you to. Yeah, and what, what maybe watching others train, see what they're doing on that gate sequence as yeah, well. Be, sure. be, you know, you see here it's, it's full of slalom paddlers all the time. Um, so it's, yeah, it definitely sounds like you're the, the underpinning thing here is that you've got really a, a huge amount of knowledge of the technical understanding of of canoe slalom, and that really helps you manipulate the gate sequences mm. because you know your athletes really well and what's what's going to just give them that next that next level of input, but also you're constantly pushing their decision-making by mm. giving them choices as well. And I've seen you, uh, and you talked about it when, when we spoke about, um, sometimes you deliberately don't let them get out of the boat to, to read the course. That's, um, it's not quite about gate setting this, yeah, but so, I wanted to so, talk about so it. I thought it was quite I, interesting. I call that? Blind frogs. Yeah. Um, so literally, you know, not being able to see and making sure they don't actually look too much at what gates are set. It's literally like down the green, down the green, up left, red, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and they have to make decisions in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, based upon what's so they have less feedback. Uh, I guess that also brings me back to um, thinking about what canoe slalom is. Uh, I heard a quote that canoe slalom is not about technique, but rather about decision making in an instant. Yeah. And then Right, how, how do I set gates then to, if that's my philosophy on Canoe Slalom, yeah. or someone's philosophy, and I, I agree with that, yeah. how do I set gates to encourage that? Yeah. Line props of one. Uh, tough tech, you know, yeah. hard feature, really tricky feature, yeah. tricky moves, yeah. um, where stuff isn't going to go right, and how quickly can you change from plan A to plan B? Yeah. Um, but again, if you just walk down the river and just doing whatever gates are out, that's yeah. not yeah. hitting the needs of the, that your your needs or the yeah. needs of the. So it's back to making your the practice you're doing with your athletes or training doing really purposeful and yeah. really targeted, um, so that you're maximising the time you've got on the water. Especially, you know, here's not so bad, but somewhere like Lee Valley where you've got limited time, you've got to make sure that's right because mm. yeah. you're you're under time pressure. The athletes, you don't want them going, oh, no, Dan didn't quite get that right today. It, it's really well, you know, it seems really well thought out. And uh, But again, it's athlete-driven. It's all about them. It's about their needs. It's not about da moves Dan likes. It's about moves that they require mm. to do in any given situation. And I think if you think about that investment you put in at the start to set those gates for the learning outcome that you want, the session then almost... Can take care of itself yeah. to a degree yeah. if you know that you've set up um, uh, where they've got to make a decision is it spin or forwards yeah they have a couple you know a couple goes at spin a couple goes at forwards um, 
and then they can actually reflect and make up their own minds. Yeah. And you're stood on the bank, ready to give information when needed. Yeah. But you've almost, you've set up that environment for learning. Yeah. Or yeah, again, you're looking at spins. Yeah. Set a load of different types of spins, um, and then that athlete has actually made has has got that learning and made up yeah. their own decisions before you even have to come. Yeah, they're not relying on you to tell them the answer. Yeah, absolutely, and that's. That's great long-term learning, isn't it? That's them knowing, so they can go turn up at a course without a coach and still be able to make those decisions and be confident in those decisions, which means race day's a little bit more relaxed for them. Yeah, for sure. Dan, that's great. There's a couple of other things I wanted to ask you. So uh, what's the most frustrating thing that you would would see in course setting? So is there anything that, like, just needs to be sorted Mm. that would annoy you? I think one of the big ones is, is, is pole heights. Yeah. Um, and I think that's come from also my um, ICF course design yeah. stuff as well. Um, but actually seeing people in training as well, because pole heights make a massive difference to how you're also going to do a move. Yeah. yeah. Um, that pole is high. You're going to potentially take advantage of that. Yeah is low right I need to be aware of, of that and be more precise with let's say my bows about putting it yeah. putting it around so I think making sure that those pole heights are, are set well uh, makes a massive a massive difference to the training environment yeah. and again don't be afraid about um, asking others to do that um, yeah yeah they can or asking their yeah. advice um, I had one the, the, the other day um, I said to them, can, can you adjust the, the pole on the, you know, the outside pole, the up on the far side over there. Went over and adjusted and they looked back at me and, you know, kind of gave me the thumbs up, is that all right? And I'm just like, you're right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you can see. Yeah. I, I think it's all right, but I want to know your opinion as well. They came yeah, back yeah. and, yeah, it was good. Um, and I think just getting getting them involved in that process as well. Yeah. And that, again, that's coming back to them decision making, them making choices, them thinking about them developing their own technical understanding. Yeah, excellent. And then I just wanted to find out how you how you got involved. So obviously, as a competitor, you've been around slalom courses a long time, but you must be sometimes the most loved man on a race, and sometimes the most hated. Being an ICF course designer, how did that, how did that come about? What, what's involved with that? Go on, give us a couple of um, couple of seconds on so that. So I guess the first first race I got asked to do that for was. Uh, the World Championships in Po, 2017. Um, and I think the ICF were just wanting uh, a new group of, of, of designers to help set races and they wanted um, people that were involved with the sport but not coaching their senior national teams. Right. Yeah. So they actually had time and um, sort of time to dedicate just to, to that on a race weekend and not worry about their, their own athletes. Yeah. Um, and did you did you relish that challenge? Was uh, that... It, it, it's been very fun. Yeah. I have yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. There are elements of, um, you know, you, you can design that in your head and you put it down on paper. Yeah. Um, it all looks good and then it, it comes out and it's not quite what you were envisaging or... or um, so you have to just you know make little tweaks. Yeah. Um, and again, the one hard one is to get 
the balance right, the C1s, lefties and righties. Yeah. That's um, a key thing that is that I've tried to do. Um, and again, using uh, all the features in a course that makes a nice flowing, but technically demanding course with lots of decision making. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a big challenge, that. It, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I have yeah. enjoyed doing it. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing doing this year's again. Again, each course represents its own challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then weighing up the doing classic moves versus throwing in something new as well. Yeah. As okay. soon as you throw something in new that, you know, hasn't been done really on a course before, then... Yeah, is it has it not been done because it's not very good? Yeah, or has it not been done because no one's tried it before? Yeah, and what what I found really interesting recently, you know, I've been in in and around slalom for a long time and, and seeing it is is slalom paddlers are still inventing new ways of doing things. There's some really cool things coming out, which is going to be great for you as a course designer to keep your challenge high and, yes. and for you to keep their challenge yes. high and to keep the sport, you know, it's still moving forward, which is great to see. And I, I guess with that, I think. Um, Coaches, if they can be aware of where the sport is moving, then that influences their course design. Yeah, setup. I mean, even right back at, at grassroots slalom, if those coaches know what top end slalom looks like, they know what yeah. they're aiming towards yes. long term. They might not be putting yes. those sort of moves in with the beginners, no, but they no. go, "These are the style of things. This is where we're heading." That's yeah. that's got to be important. The courses are getting a lot more dynamic, a lot more twisty. Yeah. Um, and I would say there's, again, still a lot of options to, to decide upon. And even thinking about, again, for, for core setting for, for individuals, K1 women are starting to, you know, sweep lots of upstreams. Yeah. C1s are being far more creative on their, uh, on their offside with fakie sweeps and, you know, yeah. lots of different techniques. Um, and with the C1s doing a lot of switching now, um, yeah. it's not just... Um, that that comes into that decision making, yeah, is it? Do yeah. I stay on a crossbow? Do I switch? Where do I switch? When do I switch? Yeah, that's a conversation I see going on a lot between C1 paddlers and their coaches. Should I switch? When do I switch? When do I switch back? Yeah, yeah and you know, some people that don't even look like they've got a you know a preferred side anymore. That they that that seems to. It's really nice just to see the sport moving forward again. It you know, it's been been awesome to see that. That was great. Um, so in summing up that, that comes back to a few things that I can, that I can hear Dan is, is knowing your athletes like, no surprise there knowing what they need to work on um, across all, diff, all the you know, different facets that, that make up a performance uh, your own technical understanding is huge into that because you could set something as a challenge that's not or something you don't think is much of a challenge that is um, and then the, the planning side of it so you're there well before a session you're thinking about the session before you even get there then you're there setting gate sequences pole heights yeah. then it's the session so there's a whole load of stuff that's going on before that that maybe the athletes don't even know has happened I think you're right about that about that prep um, during even going you know thinking about Lee Valley coming up for selection um, watching previous races yeah. looking at moves that have come up in the past yeah. and then 
um, what moves could come up in the future and setting those in prep for, for a race. Um, but also watching races and go, okay, that was a, you know, that was a good move. That really helped them work on, yeah. um, well, literally everybody in the field was sweeping that up. Yeah. Right, okay, that's going to be a good, good sweep upstream then to, yeah. to learn, you know, to practice on. Yeah. And again, setting those, setting gates to, to get that desired outcome and how can I manipulate those gates to, to get that. Yeah. So, for, you know, I think a good one is, um, you know, a, a sweep stroke upstream. You're wanting to come in with lots of whip, have yeah. lots of turn. So how could I set the stagger up above that upstream to promote? Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, what, do you, what does that sequence look like leading into that? Yeah, key? to promote that element of having pre-turn, yeah. a, lot, a lot of turn in, yeah. being early on the sweep yeah. um, with so, whip. So you've got your key gate, but you've also you've got to think about the gates prior to that. How can I influence that gate with yeah. the gate set up? Uh, from above and then that's that's when you can be a little bit more fun and creative as well by uh, I know Craig Morris and myself would do this quite a lot you know make a gate narrower yeah, so yeah. Got, you know it's a, it's a challenge we've yeah. got to then if you're looking at holding the inside pole or being slim around the, the inside pole of an upstream you actually don't need the second half of the gate yeah so make the gate narrower make the gate really, narrow. um, exaggerate that yeah but that takes quite a lot of thought and time to prep that. Again, that, that preparation beneficial. comes in. Yeah. But once you've done it, the session should be able to flow then yeah. around that, that yeah. theme. Brilliant. Dan, that's been brilliant listening to that. Um, we'll get you back on again to talk. There's, there's a million things we could talk about <laughs> slalom with all the your, your technical ins and outs. So uh, thanks for coming in. Cool. Thank you very much. Brilliant.